Hello, and welcome back to our special book talk series about the International Dublin Writers Festival. For those of you joining us for the first time, I'm Sabrina, and I'll be hosting this mini-series and giving you a sneak peek into the festival events we have lined up for September. Today, I'm so excited to introduce Paul Carroll. So welcome, and thank you so much for being here today. For our audience, Paul is one of our special guest speakers at the festival this year, and he's going to share a little bit about himself and the projects he will speak about at the festival. So, Paul, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? So, like, well, I've already said your name, so kind of spoiled that one. But, you know, pronouns, where you're from, and most importantly, what your favorite book or comic series is and why. And I know that's not a fair question, but if you ask me what my favorite book is, I say don't ask me that, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, yeah, so I am Paul Carroll. Uh, I'm a writer and comic creator from Dublin. Um, at the festival, I'll be giving a talk about crowdfunding creativity because that's where I kind of found my weird niche on the internet. Um, I'm one of Ireland's highest crowdfunded comic creators in Kickstarter, um, largely because of three big comic anthologies. So that, that's kind of my area of expertise, but I also write prose and short stories and poetry and everything else um i don't take breaks is my thing <laughs> um, because while i'm doing all this i also chair the national science section convention so um eventually i will i will take a holiday at some point but you know maybe when i'm 40 um favorite book or comic series is a difficult one i don't know if i ever have just one off the top of my head um one I've been trying to get back into reading because I fell behind on the volumes is Something is Killing the Children. Uh, it's by James Tanya IV. And I've forgotten the artist's name because it's been that long since I looked at the, the books. Uh, I think it's, I'm not going to guess because I'll, I'll say the wrong artist. Um, but he, J James Tanya IV is the, the writer. Uh, it's one of Image's books and it's, uh, it's effectively only kids can see monsters and the monsters want to eat as many people as they can. Um, and there are a few select adults who have gone through enough trauma that they can see the monsters themselves and they try to, to stop everyone from dying. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite a grisly, violent series, but um, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's that on balance with Department of Truth by the same writer, um, which is very conspiratorial sci-fi. Um, so it's, he, he, he does lots of weird stuff and he's, he's become one of my favorite comic writers for the past few years. So he, he's springing to mind at the moment. <laughs> cool. I mean, I, those both sound really cool. I mean, I've, I'm always trying to find like new comic series. I had taken a class on um, like comics in high school, which is years ago now. So I've kind of fallen out of comics, but I'm trying to get back into it. And I think the last one I read was... I think I read Mouse, which is kind of like comic 101, but anyway. That and Watchmen, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so thanks for telling me that. Um, and I'm really excited that you're here because, I mean, like we've established, you're both an author and a comic writer, which is like so cool. And I know you've written a ton and also edited certain series. So like you've done... The Black Pages, Turning Roads, The Irish Folklore Stories, which I really, really want to read. It's on my, it's on the top of my to read list, um, and down below. So, could you tell me a little bit about these projects? Like, what was it like working on them? How'd you get into them? Where'd you draw inspiration? Um, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, so um, The Black Pages I can start with is, uh, that's my series of novels um, with some short stories mixed in as well, but it's uh, it's effectively, the, the title comes from um, the Yellow Pages, but for the supernatural. Um, mm. So it, the, the, black, the actual Black Pages themselves is like an in-universe home book of uh, magical businesses and small business owners. Um, one of whom is a magical detective. Uh, so I have two kind of series protagonists, and one of them is Kirk Crane, who's a magical detective. Every time he dies, he comes back as a baby, so he's constantly having to grow up all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I every every time I'm writing about him, I kind of have to remember where he is in his life and you know his previous two or three lifetimes because those characters are going to impact who he is now. Um, and so some of them are still alive, including one who's, uh, I can't remember how old I made him. It's been a while since I looked at his age. He's a 160 or 180 year old necromancer um, who has been using necromancy to keep himself young. Um, and he, he shows up in the other series as well, which is about uh, a millennial who gets a day job as death. Um, so Ben Cooper is like 20 odd years old He's an art history major uh, out of college and working in a convenience store. And then one day, like New Year's Day, death shows up in the door. It's like, yes, so um, I've quit and you're next because because his parents had a supernatural mortgage and this is this is the bill coming due. Um, so it, it's, it's Ben trying to navigate the world as someone who never knew about magic and mm-hmm. trying to learn the ropes about what it means for people to die. Um, and he, you know, he falls in love with a girl who doesn't die, but she was supposed to. Um, and he befriends this really old necromancer who's kind of antithetical to the whole thing of a Grim Reaper because he's defying all the laws of death. So mm-hmm. I kind of have these mishmash of characters floating around. Um, I'm currently working on the fourth book in the series, which is called State of Despair. Uh, it's set in the US and it's at an intercross of uh, four US states. I can't remember all from off the top of my head anymore, but Arkansas and Kansas are there. So like the former kind of weird cross and it's to do with the whole crossroads myth. Uh, you know, there's just demons at the middle. And the whole thing is that there's a secret state buried in, in the imaginary crossroads of those states. And that's called despair. And it's mm-hmm. the only place in the US that is entirely made of magic. Um, so there's there's problems in despair and it's, it's one of the stories for Kurt Crane to go and try fix before uh before d- despair opens up and you know creates an entire fissure in the middle of the united states uh it's kind mm-hmm. of end of the world scenario sort of stuff um and then the other the, the other main projects to do so threading roads and down below their um their comic anthologies so they were the first uh open call anthologies that great comics did mm-hmm. um trading roads was the first one that came out of a tweet which was literally me going, would it be notionally to do an Irish folk horror anthology? And this was six months into the pandemic. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd, I'd lost two jobs at the start of 2020. One because I wasn't an accountant and the other because of COVID. And you know, they said it'd be two weeks, two weeks and everything back to normal. And six months later, it wasn't. So I, I decided to see if anyone would be interested in this. And then March the next year, when everything was still closed down, I did the Kickstarter for it. Um, so that was 18 comic teams. I think there were 35 people in the book. Mm-hmm. And that was retelling Irish folklore fantasy. Um, and it was my first big foray into Kickstarter. I'd done a small one before that as like trying to figure out what it was all about, but it was very much just my own writing um, and three comic artists. 
so this was my first time managing like a giant project um, and le learned a few things along the way from it. Uh, to tweak my own little Kickstarter calculators because I'm mad about spreadsheets. So I have a whole spreadsheet on managing the finances for all these things. Love a spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> I love a spreadsheet. And then I, I took those lessons then and applied them to down below. Uh, and then learned a bit more from that experience because that that really shot over our expectations. Um, we had raised 14,500 for turning rugs. And then I think I can't remember what I said the target at for down below because again, this was over a year ago, but we took in over 22,500, I think, um, wow. which was insane. Like it was, it was way more than we thought we would get. It, it put us at the like the, the it basically has me at the second highest Irish Kickstarter comic of all time um it's only behind the the hound books by Paul Bulger which are these big hardback Irish folklore retellings to retell the story of uh, the ton so there's there's three of them and each of them are in like the 30 to 40,000 pound region um but so someone else ran them. So if you look at just the geographical thing, it looks like I'm the highest, but actually Paul Bulger's books are the ones that have been the most. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we followed up again this year with uh, Fractured Realms, which is the third of the myth mm -hmm. trilogy that we're doing. And that one's Norse horror. So we went Irish, Greek, and Norse, um, jumping between different genres recently as well. So one, one myth, uh, one pantheon, and then one genre set, match them together and move on to another. Um, so it's it's been an interesting experience. Sort of, it's taught me a lot about like how to actually manage a crowdfunding campaign and increasingly large numbers of people on them. Because I went from thirty five creators to I think forty five, and now like I think I'm close to sixty for for uh, fractured drum. So it's just <laughs> it's, it's a lot of moving pieces. And if anyone who's ever tried to control artists and move them anywhere knows it's like hurting cats but yep. the cats are also drunk so it's <laughs> it's it's quite it's quite difficult trying to keep track of all of them when we'll go and because timelines are you have to leave timelines movable like we always set a deadline for them but i always have to leave some padding at the end so like I'll, I'll give the artist a deadline but knowing that someone's going to turn and say i need an extension because okay. life happens um especially now that you know people are back working full-time a lot of a lot of people are doing this on the side most people live on the side like comics isn't my day job as much as i would like it to be right. so this is all just stuff that i do when i finish work in the evening and when i have weekends and that's in between conventions and everything else <laughs> Gosh, that's that's it's so much. I like, and it's I've always been so impressed by the work that like, you know, if you go on like Webtoon and you have like the people who update stuff like every week, I'm like, how are you doing this? Like, this is like straight up works of art that I'm seeing in front of me from all these comic creators. Like, whether or not the creator does like the the um like image side of things or the like blocking and editing side you know like I just I'm always so impressed like and then like to say like oh this is something that I have to do like in my free time like I, I'm imagining like 24 7 around the clock working on this but no like everyone's under the gun it's so impressive yeah like and, and like there's a lot of webtoons creators that do it all by themselves like they're 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 writing drawing coloring lettering everything mm -hmm. and I don't know how they do it like that's partially because I can't really draw but 
like it's still I, I know how long it takes an artist to work on a page so it's it's insane that some people are able to do this all by themselves and still manage to eat during the day <laughs> oh my god be glued to the chair to have to yeah. eat only what you can get with your arms yeah with, with, whatever you can reach with the arm you don't currently need which yeah. is you know you're down to three limbs yeah <laughs> um wow okay yeah I'm it's so mind-boggling um but I was so I was wondering actually so you're talking about how managing all this like between the crowdfunding and the artists like herding cats do you feel like you've grown as both a, like ha- let me rephrase that I guess like what was it like growing as a creator yourself and a manager at the same time like what what was that experience like uh, I've I've had to learn to try prioritize myself more mm-hmm. um, because it was it was easy to easy to brush off doing my own work when it was just me and it only impacted me and then you know I could just work a brush off everything else and say no I need to do my writing but now that I'm trying to manage like there's 24 teams in Fractured Realms, which is the one that's currently ongoing. Mm-hmm. Now, one of those teams is me, the other is the other editor, but that's still 22 other teams of people. And I now need to, I'm, I'm still working on figuring out how do you manage all of those people without forgetting to do your own work. Um, mm-hmm. So like trying to work on my own writing while doing all of this is still the big hurdle. Uh, because the business side of managing crowdfunding is one thing and I've gotten fairly good at that but it's right. it's then trying to manage the personal side of things and you know random stuff pops up in life um, like between moving jobs and everything else like the year has just gotten a bit wonky so uh, it's it, that, that that is the big hurdle that I think a lot of people might struggle with when they start getting into crowdfunding especially if they deal with larger projects Mm-hmm. even if it's not comics like the, there can still be pros anthologies which means you could be dealing with anywhere from like eight to two dozen people and trying to get everyone to meet those deadlines while doing your own work and trying to make sure the project flows and your backers are kept informed and your contributors aren't left wondering what's going on like it's it, it's a lot to try figure out while also taking care of yourself and continue to be creative yourself um, I, I think that that's the big thing that I'm still working on it but it's the thing that I would I would encourage people who are starting to get into crowdfunding in any aspect whether it's a Kickstarter or a Patreon to figure out how their own time gets managed so that they don't leave out the writing time because it is very easy to to just ignore that or to ignore the other commitments in your life when you have so much else going on no, it sounds like a huge balancing act. Like I can't even imagine. Like you've got all these different plates going at once. <laughs> so much. Um, do you have any? Or so has this been like a, a mostly self-taught process? Have you had any mentors who have like helped to, to guide you at all, or have you just been kind of on your own in this? Uh, mostly on my own. Honest. Oh, wow. Um, I I didn't do any sort of actually sorry that, that's almost a lie um i had read one book before i did the first before i did the big kickstarter um and it was greg pock 
um, it's P-A-K. Uh, so he's an American comic creator. He does work with Marvel as well as his own stuff. And he had released a book called Kickstarter Secrets. So I'd read that before mm-hmm. doing my own Kickstarters. But other than that, the only training, like quote unquote training I'd done was like an hour and a half, two hour webinar after my last Kickstarter because it just so happened to pop up. So I was like, okay, what am I doing right or wrong? But everything else was like, it was taking lessons from Greg's book and then just trying to teach myself as I go along. Um, and a large part of it is like, I have, I've got the weirdest working in education history. So even though I did a teaching degree and a multimedia master's, I ended up working in finance for a few years. And I'd learned budget management as part of that because I was in aviation finance and I was basically building all of the spreadsheets for the accountant to manage the budget. So I learned a lot just from that. So then took everything from aviation and tried to apply it to comics, <laughs> which isn't exactly, because that's not an art form or a science, it's more just chaos, but uh, it, it got there, like it, it was it was how I managed to, to track turning roads properly and it's, it, it's helped me to develop just the, the business side of things in terms of understanding crowdfunding. Uh, without having done any training um mm-hmm. and, and now i'm trying to i'm, I'm now the first in lots of people will contact like i'm doing my first kickstarter do you have any advice so uh, the first thing i have to ask them is well what stage are you at because if they don't have a budget in some, some cases it's just is my is my target too high or too low and it's like i don't know what your costs are yeah <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh it's, it's stuff i'm working on um it's stuff i'm going to hopefully tick a lot of the boxes when it comes to the, the festival mm-hmm. later this year to be able to say yeah, here, here are the basics to get you started so that you don't either shoot too low mm-hmm. and not actually cover your costs or uh, aim too high and not reach the target because with things like Kickstarter there's a lot of them it's all or nothing so if you don't reach your target by the end of the campaign, you don't get any of the money. So you can you can work full time on it for a month and then get nothing at the end if you don't reach the target, which is very stressful. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> um, yeah, my my first one, so Turning Roads, was in the middle of COVID, and it was the first time I'd set a big target, and I had made the one big critical error that anyone who's going to be shipping a physical product. Uh, anywhere uh, shouldn't make and I'd forgotten to include postage in the, the campaign goal. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I spent the first two weeks with a spreadsheet out in front of me tracking the the income each day going how much am I losing now I'm watching that number go down <laughs> because for a while I was just losing a couple of grand in theory on shipping uh, <laughs> yeah so i i learned that lesson and applied it down below so that's that's why the, like if you look at the two campaigns the target jumps off massively between mm-hmm. turning roads and down below because i suddenly went right i need to charge shipping in the campaign because i'd forgotten that when you're doing a campaign like on kickstarter when people are pledging it takes both their contribution for the rewards and their shipping costs and adds them that's how much they're paying towards the target I completely blanked on it because it had been like oh it had been almost two years since I've run a campaign between the, the, the small one I did and turning codes and it almost cost me all of the money. Um I would have I would have lost more money than I ever would have made on that book. So <laughs> that 
yeah. it ended up breaking even in the end. So <laughs> I realized four, it is 14,000 was the target that I needed, not six. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, uh, I feel like from listening to you learning, learning how to do Kickstarter stuff, it's like you have to learn from your mistakes to do better, yeah. but you have to make the mistakes to begin with. And it's just like, it's, Oh, and you I just kind of need to, you need to hope the mistake is small, yeah. <laughs> small and, and, and hopefully avoidable while the campaign is still ongoing. Yes. Like, <laughs> like fix on your feet type thing. Yeah. That, that, that's what I was doing. Like I was, it just meant I had to do an awful lot of marketing for the first one to try get the eyes on the project to build up numbers. And thankfully, you know, there was people had extra spending money because they weren't going out. So people were more willing to back Kickstarters and people were just constantly going through their screens. So I was able to reach people more easily, especially on Twitter before it all caught fire. Um, so I, I had, I think I had recorded three interviews in the first week for a podcast, and like that, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when there's not that many people actually talking about comics and nobody knew who I was really, it was, it was a big deal for me. And then I think by the end, I'd done maybe six and it took over the Mother Folklore account on Twitter for a week. So I was just talking about comics for an entire week and almost entirely not promoting the book through that. So it was mostly just trying to build up noise about Irish comics. Right. And it worked. Like I, I made like the master, master tweet thread of everything Irish comics in 2021. Um, it's now out of date already because... In two years, just suddenly all the names changed, all the people have new books, yeah. new people just showing up. And I was like, wow, okay, that thread is just old and out of date and needs updating. But mm -hmm. it's it's a full-time job to keep up with our comics sometimes because some people just spring up out of nowhere, which is great. <laughs> Do you have, um, and I think this might have to be our last question for today, so think hard but do you have um any like irish comics besides yourself who are like up and coming that i should be on the look for and look at like on look for on the horizon or for our audience to check out uh okay i have a few answers um <laughs> so the, the, the <laughs> easy one is to the easy one is, is to look at irish comics study which is a site that i uh helped set up like three months after the turning roads started finished so it's been going for uh almost two years now um mm. and that has over 40 different irish comic creators on it um so that's that's a that's a big one to go look at because there's now over 500 pages of comics to read on it mm. that's a way of seeing the different breadth of styles um, in terms of individual comic creators who are still only getting their name out there um one of my regular collaborators is james kelly mm. uh he's a uh, lad from westmead uh, first worked with him on Turning Roads after seeing his work that he sent in for 2000 ADR competition. And the, the opening question was, how do you feel about drawing a horse? Because I was writing about the, the Doolahan, which is the Irish version of the Headless Horseman. So oh. was, <laughs> he, he had to draw a horse for the comic, so I had to make sure he was okay with that. Um, and then Colin Craker is, uh, he's... I was going to say cartoonist, but it kind of doesn't do justice to his style because people will think cartoons and think the likes of... Uh, I mean, I'm blanking on cartoons. Yeah, but he's more... He does cyberpunk crime 
thrillers. Um, as big on his SCH and case file, so he's he's actually just fit, uh, shipped out the Kickstarter awards for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the first volume of that is out, and he did a, a Christmas holiday special for charity. Mm-hmm. Um, with a few, he had six or seven different writers work on it with them, including me. So I got to write about two of his characters, which was a really fun experience. It's nice getting to play with other people's toys. Um, trying to think now. I'm blanking on names, but there, there's quite a few people who popped up. Like they're on the Irish Comic Study, so that's the reason why I mentioned that first. So like there's this people who have a few short comics on that who've just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on Stevens is one. Um, we had a dozen people in for the. We had a, like an open call. We got money from the DLR Arts Office, so we had an open call to fund eight comics from that mm-hmm. so there's a dozen people on that who i would look at um james is one of them um but there's there's a few others in there uh i'm just blanking on their names because it's, it's a wednesday morning and i'm tired um but i would i would go look at that list like that that's like directly on the homepage of the site the deal or winners um so there's eight different comics on that and they all have Badly different styles, and they're all people who would love to see doing more work because they're they they tell comics in such an interesting way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to. I haven't. It's difficult finding new people in comics because it feels mm-hmm. like the community's gotten quite quiet, and then suddenly someone will just show up with a book, and it's like, where were they hiding? But uh, the mysterious yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah. Like we hadn't heard of Colin Craker until he approached. I think Gary approached him for Turning Roads. I asked the first time I heard of Colin Craker, and I was like, "I'm just obsessed with his work." Now. Um, and that's just going with the Irish ones. Like, there's there's loads of UK creators who I'm friends with as well who I could easily talk about, but they're in the books. Like, they're they there's people who I've been able to publish. Absolutely, just obsessed with their work and want to see the, all of their work grow and see them all do well. Um, which is, it's a really nice position to be in where you, you get new faces coming in and suddenly it's new careers to start watching. It's, I, I have to add it up at some point, but there's, because there's not always a huge overlap between the books, there's got to be at least 70 or 80 different creators in the three myth anthologies. So it's, it's a lot of people whose careers are now just going, what are you up to? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that sounds so cool. So the, the website that you told me to check out is irishcomics.ie? Yeah. .ie. All right. Well, you heard them, folks. You got to go check that out. Um, so unfortunately, I think that is all the time we have for today. But Paul, thank you again so much for coming and being on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. And I look forward to the festival. This brings us to the end of our book talk episode for today. But if you're interested in attending the International Dublin Writers Festival, it will be running from September 15th to 17th at the Academy Plaza Hotel in Dublin. If you can't attend in person but still want to listen in and learn, we have sessions online available. Please go to internationaldublinwritersfestival.com for more information. And tune back in next episode for a chat with Olivia Mulligan.